You're listening to the Poetry of Impact podcast, illuminating the unheard stories of today's top leaders in impact with your host, Gino Borges. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Poetry of Impact. Joining us today is Will Wiseman. Will is the founder and managing director of Kitty Hawk Ventures, an early stage technology venture capital firm with investments in AI, computing, network, healthcare, longevity, space, and fintech. Will is also the former executive director of Singularity University. Today's conversation with Will is brought to you as part of a partnership between the Poetry of Impact and Nexus. Welcome, Will. Thanks so much, Gino. Great to be with you. Yeah. You know, when um, I was first introduced to you and you first shared your story about Kitty Hawk Ventures, um, while, while I'm super impressed with what you're doing um, in the front-facing world in terms of you know, AI, computing, network, and healthcare, and longevity, and we plan on getting into a little bit of that as well, I think what, what really um, took me was basically your presence in terms of how, like, I mean, I felt like you're one of the most centered venture capital people I've ever met. Hmm. And I'd like to sort of explore that. And I'm guessing that there's moments where you don't feel centered and, and decentered. So can you sort of take us through um, a walk on, on how you sort of navigate that migration between um, your long-term interest on, in architecting a, you know, a healthy, transformative, uh, fulfilling existence alongside an industry that can be rather frenetic um, and reductionist and often sort of disconnected? Um, yeah. Thank you, Gino. Um, well, first of all, I, I very much appreciate that. Uh, it is a you know a constant dance to try to find that uh, that place of balance. And for me, I've been you know I've spent a lot of my life not in a place of balance and uh, not in a place where I you know was I think giving off the right energy and was uh, frantic and frenetic and and really. Uh, you know, struggling and searching. And I've been doing a lot of work over the last kind of probably seven, eight years uh, on this journey and, and trying to find that place of uh, contentment and a place more of neutrality. Uh, what I felt like earlier in my life is that I was, you know, so desperately hungry for success and to achieve uh, that it was in many ways kind of undermining my ability to, to do that and started kind of refocusing my efforts with a, with a coach to kind of think through how to be in a place of, uh, of contentment and this realization that I have, you know, way more than enough uh, to shift into this kind of abundance mindset of uh, believing, you know, we all have more than, than enough and what an incredibly privileged time in human history and lucky time in human history to, to get to exist. Uh, and so I try to just keep myself coming back to this place of, I have enough. I don't need any more. Uh, I'm going to be fine no matter how anything turns out. And in kind of this, uh, this operating from this place of very high engagement, but very low attachment. And so it's, you know, I, I want certain things to happen. I work very, very hard to try to make them happen, but if they don't happen, I'm okay. Um, and, you know, you and I were chatting a little bit, just uh, the kickoff to this. And I was sharing with you, I've been going through this period that has been very, very busy for me. Um, 
you know, we're an emerging firm uh, starting to step into some pretty exciting opportunities. And that has really led to a significant increase in the workload and kind of my responsibilities and um, the level at which I'm interacting with companies. And the last couple of months have not found that balance. And, you know, I've been trying to navigate my way back to this place of finding more balance so I can be more present to those around me and uh, and just be in a healthier frame of mind uh, as well. So it's a, you know, it's kind of an, an ongoing journey, but uh, one that, um, you know, is interesting to navigate these different waves and then to try to find your, your way back to a place that is a little bit more, uh, more centered. You mentioned seven years ago, seven, eight years ago was an inflection point for you to bring awareness around this. Was there something in particular that um, was it sort of a breaking moment or the accumulatory uh, moment? Um, and then and then what was sort of your first turn toward in terms of practices that, um, that, that you started to develop? Yeah, so it was a breaking moment for me. I was uh, I was actually at the TED conference up in uh, Vancouver, and you know, surrounded by all these amazing, amazing human beings, and yet I felt you know really miserable. I was super unhappy. I didn't feel like I, you know, in many ways, kind of belonged to be around these uh, people, um, and uh, and. I had had a conversation with a coach who worked with a, a really good friend of mine, just kind of randomly were sat beside each other uh, at a birthday dinner, started learning about the kind of work that he was doing. And I had reached out to him uh, while I was up there and, and I was just like, his name is James. I was like, James, I'm just at this point where I'm sick of feeling this way and I want to, you know, do the work to kind of help myself get to a, a healthier and better place. And that, that led me on this, you know, journey uh, with him and, and doing this work. And, um, you know, part of it was learning how to be kinder to myself um, and to kind of change the lens at which I was looking at the world, looking internally and looking externally as well. And, and, you know, I remember kind of in the early days doing a lot of, listening to him and, and his philosophy and how he, um, he navigated life and, and realizing that we really, you have a choice in many ways when something happens, you know, how you react to it. It's almost like a decision tree and you can take it in a, you know, how am I going to interpret this? And am I going to interpret it in a positive way? Am I going to interpret it in a neutral way, a negative way? Uh, and for a lot of time in my life, I had been interpreting a lot of these things in, in a more critical and, and negative way. And um, I just started kind of thinking about how fascinating that was, this idea that I was the driver of, you know, creating my own, my reality in, in many ways. And I was, I think back to, yeah, I don't know if you ever wake up some mornings um, and you're just kind of not in a great place, kind of spun up for some reason. And uh, through my work with, with James, you know, just being able to like step back and think about, did anything change between the time you went to bed and when you woke up, but you, and the answer is almost always no, but yet you might feel really differently about it for some reason in the morning. And I just find that kind of stepping back and kind of thinking about that allows me to kind of let go of maybe the negative place that I was in or the kind of artificially created tension or stress around something and get back to a place of, of neutrality. Um, and so anyway, that just that whole way of kind of thinking and just realizing that we create our own reality. And, and as I started 
doing that and kind of changing, you know, my, I don't know, vibration or my energy um, that I was giving off, I started finding the world also reacting to me in a, in a really different way. Uh, and things starting to become so much easier. It was more like flowing through life as opposed to fighting against life. And yeah, that's an incredibly beautiful and freeing feeling to, to feel like you're in flow. It's not to say that there isn't plenty of struggle and I work, you know, crazy hours to try to, um, to, I'm trying to build something right now. And so putting in a lot of time to do that, and that's not always, always fun, but in general, I feel like the world is, I'm, I'm just at, uh, in sync with it. And, and the world is kind of, I don't know, providing, like if you can dream it and imagine it and work towards it, uh, you know, the world wants to, mother earth wants to have you, uh, to, to be successful. And, um, anyway, so that's kind of how I, how I think about things and, and find myself kind of, uh, navigating life uh, these days. So I'm, I'm assuming, or maybe this is a false assumption, but, uh, I'm guessing that on that path is when you met Singularity University. So I was actually at Singular at Singularity uh, at that time. So I joined. Uh, it was right after I joined Singularity, actually, that I think I was up at TED, um, probably representing SU at the time when I kind of had that final like you know, I'm, I'm done with feeling like this. Uh, and it certainly, you know, as I began that journey, it certainly served me well at SU. And, you know, I just, I don't know, it's been really interesting. Like as you find more kindness uh, towards yourself, I think you also get a lot more empathy uh, for other people. And if I found myself just in a place where I could kind of slow down a little bit more and, and not always like this, I'm sure some of my colleagues would probably disagree with some of this, but um, you know, try to come from a place of, of kindness and connecting with people and realizing, you know, everyone's on their own journey, dealing with their own, their own shit. And, uh, and just, you know, keeping that in mind as you're uh, dealing with people and realizing someone may be having a, a bad day or short with you, or doesn't provide the kind of uh, work uh, product that you're, you're hoping for and figuring out how to come uh, react to that from a place of, of uh, kindness and generosity. And, and do you check in, like, um, uh, I'm very curious, like, because you're in a position where uh, a lot of people are you're working with a lot of different people, and to have sort of that kindness perspective, uh, how do you sort of check in with them, knowing that, uh, how do you check in with people to sort of know where they're at, right, as opposed to uh, just sort of having sort of an either way sort of uh mentality where it's like hey you know you need to produce or this other one where you're just assuming that oh they must be having a tough time do you do you actually take time to actually check in and if so how um and so in it's in a way that like really uh, encourages a kind of sharing and discovery that probably otherwise wouldn't surface yeah so i i do try to do that uh you know i try to lead with uh almost all my interactions trying to connect with people as people first and not, you know, they're in a role and I need to get something done. It's like, I, I personally, I enjoy that part of my life, like getting to connect and, uh, with people and uh, venture capital is a really neat place to get to connect with lots of very, very interesting uh, people. Same thing with Singularity University. Um, you know, you can't obviously do that every time. Uh, what I try to do, especially when I notice people are struggling is 
if it's in a meeting or group setting is reach out to people afterwards to connect and, and have a conversation and check in and, um, and, you know, maybe try to provide some guidance or, or support. Uh, I'm not doing that with everybody for sure. Um, you can't really, but, but there's times where you just kind of, especially if you have things, um, meetings where you're repeatedly engaging with someone and, and you can kind of see that something is going on. I, you know, I've kind of just decided at this point in my life that it's, I want to be able to impact and help people. And, um, I'm more of a, I don't know, individual points of, of impact and, and helping individuals like get with their lives and, and move themselves forward. So when I, see someone, I try to reach out and I share my own story and my journey and, and what I've done. And not that, you know, there, there's so many different paths, but here are some things that I've done that have made a big difference to me. And, um, and I think allowed me to flow through life in an easier way. And if you were to connect with, you know, I've, I've had, like, I was just with my parents last weekend and my mom, we were talking about some of the stuff and she's like, yeah, I've noticed a really significant difference in you over the last you know few years and in a really positive way. And my wife would say the same thing. And so I just share these, here's some of the tools that might be helpful to you. And, you know, if I can, you need someone to talk to, or I can be supportive, like trying to, trying to be there for people. Um, and um, I don't know, I find that really satisfying, especially when I see it make a difference in, in people's lives. Um, and I have this friend who's become, who's a former special forces soldier who I had had seen, uh, had gotten to know, just saw him, you know, really struggling for uh, a long time. And I guess I, not a long time, but like six to nine months, I was interacting with him and on kind of a call every couple of weeks and finally texted him after uh, one of these calls and asked if he, you know, had a few minutes to connect and ended up connecting and kind of really checking in and sharing with him, you know, what I was doing again, some of these tools and stuff. And the guy, it's amazing to have watched to he, he was like, yes, please, you know, really, really was ready and wanted, uh, was stuck. I you know, just didn't know what was out there and some of the tools and, um, connected him up with my coach and, and, uh, you know, kind of really made a, a dramatic difference in his life. And, uh, and so that's just incredible. And then he passes it on and it ends up being kind of this, you know, exponential, um, effort. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the, Probably, probably one of the more beautiful versions of scaling, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the I believe we're at this really critical time in human history right now, where you know we're facing some very, very serious uh, existential uh, challenges. I think, and so that I think humanity uh, does need to evolve, and and kind of all these hurt people uh, need to get healed. And I was one of those people, and uh, for sure. And I think I've you know got found my healed myself in quite a, uh, to a large degree and love to see that kind of propagating out. And I get to touch people who touch other people. And I just think it's, we're at this really critical time in history where we do need to evolve or else we're, you know, going to find ourselves in a really, really difficult situation and, and certainly not realize the, the potential that we're clearly capable of. Yeah. What do you see as, uh, when you say existential threats, uh, that really undermine our ability to live well on earth. I mean, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's climate change for sure. I mean, that we've denied it, not addressed it. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think we have already hit the the tipping point. Now it's going to be a matter of how we 
handle that or how quickly we can figure out uh, through technology and through changing our behavior, primarily through technology to decarbonize the atmosphere, to try to, you know, roll back temperatures. And, um, you know, there's just so, it's such a complex, uh, slow moving ecosystem that to try to get it back to where it was, you know, 30 or 50 years ago, I think is going to be very challenging. So how can we, how can we mitigate that? So climate change for one, uh, I think, um, inequality and this, uh, and also this movement kind of against science, I think is incredibly detrimental. And it's the result of people who are being left behind. And the world is, you know, we're going through this really rapid period of, of change, uh, like we've never, ever seen before. And it's accelerating, and there's going to be a lot of jobs that are going to be lost. And so there's, um, you know, governments have a new responsibility, really, to be engaged and help people kind of transition to new uh, types of work and building new skill sets or providing universal basic income so that it's not a question of, you know, people surviving or not surviving. And so we've got to help the people who you know, aren't, and I've been one of those, I mean, I've been very lucky in so many ways, but I've had periods in my life where I was, you know, on the verge of bankruptcy and had taken swings at being an entrepreneur that didn't work out well. And, you know, really at the cusp of, of declaring bankruptcy and in terribly dark, dark places and managed through the support of friends and, and hard work to kind of claw myself uh, back over, over time. Um, but not everyone has those support infrastructure uh, around them and, or the know-how, you know, doesn't know what they need to do. And so just starting to figure out how to uh, help more people and provide, um, you know, increasing opportunities educationally and work-wise as, uh, as jobs change so dramatically and as the world, you know, continues to, uh, to change at a faster and faster pace. I think those are all, if we don't do that, there's going to be, you know, real, 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 even greater problems, I think, within the United States. And you're seeing this in other parts of the world and, and hard to imagine democracy uh, surviving if, uh, you know, if we don't address these, these issues. So is Katie Hot Ventures your, um, your way of engaging those existential issues? And, and if so, like, I mean, how's it sort of playing out? Yeah, so we're not an impact fund. Uh, we are definitely, a, uh, to borrow a, a phrase from Obvious Ventures, we're a world positive uh, venture fund. So, you know, we're really trying to focus on great opportunities uh, that we think can move the world forward in a, in a positive way. And so there's, that's obviously, you know, very broad. It allows us to invest in, in lots of different uh, areas. Um, and uh, and so we're, I don't know, leading, we just led uh, an investment in Paul Stamets, uh, a world-renowned uh, uh, mycologist, is launching a new company that uh, will be involved with um, mushroom-based supplements and also psychedelics. We just led uh, around there, which I think has the opportunity to really help uh, people significantly. We're leading around in a company called Sky, S-C-E-Y-E, that is building a 250 foot airship that will reside up in the stratosphere and, and building a whole fleet of these. So at about 65,000 feet in the air and geostationary, super hard problem that no one has been able to, to accomplish and has really important use cases for earth observation. So being able to detect that right now, a lot of um, 
pollution is kind of self-reporting uh, or people self-reporting on how much they're polluting. And, and, you know, you can't really trust uh, big industry to, or industry in general to, to self-report. Uh, and so this provides a mechanism for being able to actually look down and see in a very, very uh, granular manner who, you know, what well wellhead is, is polluting or to be able to track illegal fishing or uh, potentially human trafficking, all these things that um, you haven't been able to do with really much detail or spot forest fires. Like forest fires right now, the amount of carbon that is being uh, admitted into the atmosphere through these forest fires that are taking place on the, the West Coast, I mean, it's it's horrific for the environment and incredible cost, not in term, not only in terms of resources, but often in terms of human lives uh, as well. And that's something that's you know only going to get worse. But through something like a sky being able to detect a fire right as it starts, because they're always these airships are in the same place, able to look down, spot it quickly, uh, enable the deployment of resources really quickly to get it. You know, those things are are, are businesses that I think can have a really big impact. On, on the world. And so like those are, to me, we live in this super exciting time where you can do well by do, doing good. There's just great alignment. I, uh, at Singularity University, got to work a lot with Peter Diamandis, who has this great saying that, you know, solve a problem that uh, that affects a billion people and you can create a billion dollars or a billion dollar company. And I really believe that that is true, that you can find this great alignment in solving very hard problems that affect, you know, the the, the mass uh, population and create really great uh, business opportunities as well. And that's, that's a really exciting place to play. Well, when I read your uh, biography to people, it's, uh, you know, I mentioned a lot of different uh, verticals, computing, network, healthcare, longevity, space, FinTech, AI. Um, how, how do you get comfortable? Like I know whenever I start studying a new area, it sort of becomes all consuming. Uh, you know, to some extent, and how do you, for, I mean, people that are trying to get into, like, understanding an area well enough to invest in, um, but you necessarily, it's very difficult to become an expert, per se, on each silo, uh, but you also need to get comfortable enough to be able to know what I refer to as the essence metrics, like, what do you really need to pay attention to? Hmm. Uh, I mean, how do you do it in, in your world? Because I really haven't met too many people that are so wide in scope in terms of what in terms of what opportunities you're looking at. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely it's a great great question. So uh, you know, part of it, part of the joy for me is. Um, I love learning and like Singularity was just this incredible environment for getting to always be learning and getting exposed to leading, you know, uh, technologists and investors and entrepreneurs and business people and always being able to hear from them and learn. And, and you start to see patterns uh, as well. And you start to see convergence of technologies going into different industries or one technology going from one industry being pulled into something new and uh, or multiple technologies being uh, coming together and converging to, to have an impact. And so uh, some of that gave me, I think, an opportunity to develop some, some pattern recognition. Uh, I'm not an expert in these different areas. I'm, I'm broad. And, uh, and so what we do is we try to leverage our relationships with whether it's a Singularity University 
faculty chair or whether it's you know a, a great entrepreneur who I know who has really deep expertise, um, uh, working with them oftentimes to vet opportunities. Sometimes we'll hire people to, to help us with our diligence as well if it's a you know something that we really feel like we need to go to the to the next level. And but a lot of this business for me is really about people and uh, businesses change all the time. So it's, you know, very rarely is the vision that an entrepreneur starts out with ultimately the, the, what they realize when they finally have a successful business at the, at the end of their journey. And so it's really about finding extraordinary humans and then backing them and supporting them on this journey. I don't want to I want to know that I'm uh, partnering with someone who is a you know heart-centered, mission-driven individual who is really thinking about how they solve a very big problem. You know, great, huge market opportunity. We're looking for opportunities that are kind of hundred x type of opportunities for us, uh, and so need to believe that it can be very big. And then we go and try to make sure that you know the business model makes sense, how they're thinking about um, you know. Uh, building this, the organization, how they're going to sell it, you know, if they uh, have crafted the product, those things all make sense. And that the technology uh, underlying that is, um, you know, is valid. And a lot of times we've been able to kind of follow their progress for a while. So we're a, a late seed investor. Uh, we will write some first checks. We will do some, some series A and uh, sometimes series B, but it's really companies that are a little further along, usually that we've gotten to follow for a little while and build a relationship with and see how they're, uh, how they're tracking on, you know, what they said they were going to do. And there's a product or service that's either in market or just about to be in market. And so that gives us confidence and like everything, it's like there, it is, I think, pattern recognition. And so getting to, you get a sense of people after spending a lot of time with them, who they are, what drives them, um, I'm working with this unbelievable entrepreneur right now who is it's his third company. He's put $77 million of his own money into this company, uh, hasn't taken any outside capital yet. And um, he's just, he's solving a problem that the US government has spent over $12 billion trying to solve. Huge corporations have tried to solve and is not, no one's been able to to solve this. This is the, the, uh, the company Sky. And um, it's just amazing to see his determination and how he has, he's a bit of kind of like an Elon Musk type of uh, guy and, and his philosophy with creating something where uh, with SpaceX, right? There's just iteration after iteration. And it's the same kind of way, like learn, test, you know, fail, learn, you know, keep doing it until you figure it out. He's been able to, to have these incredible breakthroughs. And so I just, you know, I love getting to work with people like that and find it incredibly inspiring. And I kind of knew as soon as I started interacting with him, you quickly get a sense of who he is and, and this company that he's building. And, and pretty quickly you get a sense of, do you want to be a, a part of that or not? And then doing the work to just make sure you haven't missed anything and you understand what you're, what you're getting into and, you know, doing the right, doing right by your investors to, to be, you know, prudent in how you're deploying their money, but you get a sense pretty quickly in a lot of these things. Yeah. I realized that we've referenced Singularity University a couple of times in our conversation, uh, not only in our bio, but uh, in, in your responses. I think it'd be, um, I mean, how, how do you describe Singularity University to I mean, people who haven't heard of it? 
Yeah, so it's, um, I think of it as part think tank and part uh, educator. So it was founded by Ray Kurzweil, who's a, uh, a author, a futurist, he's a director of engineering working on AI at Google, just an absolutely brilliant, brilliant man. And Peter Diamandis, who founded the X Prize and also an entrepreneur and author. And if you just watch the uh, the, the successful um, Richard Branson, Branson launch on Virgin Galactic, that was the very first X Prize, actually, the Ansari X Prize that Virgin Galactic bought and and has uh, now you know commercialized. Uh, so both incredible guys. Peter uh, Ray had written a book called The Singularity Is Near and had talked about this new era that we were entering in as more and more technology was becoming information technology and growing exponentially in the world just didn't understand what was going to be coming down the road kind of, you know, 5, 10, 20 years from now. And so created Singularity as a place where people could come to learn about what was happening at the forefront of AI and robotics and synthetic biology, all these different tech areas to learn how to think uh, and understand exponential growth. So what does it mean when something is growing exponentially? How can you use that understanding of how a technology is growing to predict when things are going to happen or when you might be able to bring a business or service into the market? And then also to try to help people think about how they can leverage some of these increasingly powerful technologies to go out and solve some of the world's biggest problems. And so uh, it's a benefit corporation, so very, uh, very much focused on, on impact. And uh, it now has, I think, around 180 chapters in about 160 countries around the world, about 300,000 uh, members who have attended programs, uh, summits. So we used to put on executive programs and big summits and some digital courses. And uh, it was just an amazing place to get to connect with all these people who were trying to move the world forward in a positive way using, using these emerging technologies and have gone on to be you know, leaders in big companies and governments and uh, pretty, pretty incredible. Um, it, it was an incredible place to spend uh, seven years. So I feel very fortunate. Yeah. So I've been fascinated by this whole notion of exponential um, the exponentiality of the digital world versus the analog world um, as well. I'm curious about how you actually see it uh, supporting us as people, as opposed to thinking of exponentiality um, as um, you, know, you need to be aware of this to be able to, um, this can, by having this mindset, we can solve this problem and scale it. But let's back out of that sort of that really dominant conventional way of thinking about exponential growth. But how do we run in parallel with like exponential growth in the invisible and the interior realm as we do this? Because there's an opportunity cost of just being overly tech uh, focused as well, because you still have people with essence and soul on the ground that are living on earth. And how do we balance, or perhaps maybe even that's the wrong word, but how does all this run in parallel so that everything that's a life form on earth is also growing exponentially, not just the material realm per se, that, that sort of absence of soul? Well, what I think is so extraordinary is I, I personally believe that the exponential growth of technology leads to abundance for everybody. And for us to be able to live in a very, very different way that really does allow us to kind of realize our, our true essence, our true potential. 
Um, you know, this as technology grows exponentially, it goes down this path that basically leads to it ultimately becoming democratized, which, you know, if you think about the cost of many of these technologies in their earlier days, right, they were much larger, much more expensive, gets smaller and smaller, less and less expensive, gets more and more capable. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're basically some of these things are moving towards almost free or getting baked into other products, things that used to be very, very expensive. And so all of a sudden you get to really push out access to information, access to all these different services and products uh, throughout the entire world. And so I think, you know, that uh, you think about right now, you know, what's happened in some of the developing parts of the world with, uh, with smartphones and being able to bypass all the traditional legacy infrastructure, maybe that never got built out and being able to give people access to information and, you know, that, that presidents didn't have 20 years ago and being able to uh, get access to employment opportunities that they never would have been able to have without, uh, without, uh, broadband and Wi-Fi and smartphones and, um, and what that's done in terms of, uh, lifting up quality of people's lives. I mean, one of the things we have to be kind of careful about uh, right now in this period is that the news is so negative and it really uh, is not an accurate representation of what's happening in the world. And if you look at the data, this is by far the best time to be alive as a human. I mean, the the uh, the the longevity, you know, people, how long people are, are living, uh, access to education, access to food, housing, all these things are the best, the, the amount of conflict that's taking place is continuing to decrease over time. And so all these things are really, really exciting. And that trend will continue and people, it will no longer be about, if you look at like 3D printing of housing, what's happening, you know, the cost of housing is homes are being built now for a few thousand dollars. And so all of a sudden, uh, a period where everyone should have access to housing. And same thing I think will ultimately happen with, with healthcare as we become more and more kind of digital and you're using telemedicine and, um, and sources like that. These, these raises everybody's uh, quality of life up. Uh, and so I think, you know, as that happens, as people potentially don't need to be engaged in manual labor and can focus on more creative pursuits, uh, I think a lot of those things will this path is is a path towards um, towards people being able to live better, longer, longer lives, and hopefully being able to spend their time doing things that that they love. And it's you know it's going to be a transition. It's going to take us some time to get there. But if these trends continue, uh, we will we will get there. I, just to recap, if I understand what you're sharing, you're saying that as a result of exponential technology essentially uh, the technology inevitably gets dispersed all the way to the margins and is centralized by a few people. So more and more people are able to participate in what used to be just a few people would have access to. Is that correct? That's exactly right. You see that over and over again. And like energy, like right now with solar and with wind, the price of energy is just plummeting. And so you're going to have, eventually we're going to get to a point where energy is essentially almost free. And so what does that mean? How does that change everything? And you know, for such a long time, energy, energy has been such a scarce commodity or access to water, all these things that is also connected. The production of clean water can be you know, often connected to whether or not you have access to energy to, to build the infrastructure, to be able to, to filter your water. And so 
as energy becomes abundant, other things become more abundant, all sorts of new industries, anyone, anywhere can, you know, operate on computers or build things. And, and so uh, there's just this continuous process of the price of these items coming down, their capabilities increasing. And obviously, as the price comes down, it's affordable by more uh, to more and more people. And then you get this, uh, these, these technologies in the hands of, you know, billions of people as opposed to a, a small number in the early days. That's so fascinating. I, it really is just fascinating stuff. And uh, I'm guessing that's part of the attraction of why crypto is just so attractive in terms of the use case, how it's decentralizing so much of something that people never even thought could be um, done because we just associated uh, value with uh, the nation state, but it's like being uncoupled right before our eyes. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the uh, the nation state is is plays an important role, but it's no longer needed the way it, it used to be. And, you know, at this point, it's like, if we could get out of our own way, there's an, un, I don't want to be like doughy eyed, you know, optimist, but there is a, a much, much better uh, planet out there and a much better life for everyone without war and without conflict. And it's like, it's, it's all man-made at this point, right? There's more than enough for everyone. We have enough of everything for everyone to be educated and fed and housed and to have opportunity. And, uh, but it's not, we're choosing not to, uh, to to act that way, or there's corruption that's preventing the resources from getting out to the people, and the investments aren't taking place. So it's like if people could uh, get out of their, uh, if we could get certain people out of the way, there's a lot more progress that could happen a lot faster. But the 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 data does show that we are moving in 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 a positive direction, and uh, there's so many things that we should be optimistic about and excited about. And um, but there is this need to kind of shift from this scarcity mindset and sharp elbows to this understanding that we do have enough. And we talked about at the beginning, but as soon as I realized that I had enough and I don't really need too much more, and, and if you look at people's happiness levels, whether they make you know, 75,000 or a million dollars, it doesn't change very much. You need to have, you know, your basic needs met. And once those are, are met, then you just can kind of flow in a different, in a different way through life. And, and I feel like the world reacts to you in a different way as a result of that. Uh, it's such a beautiful way to uh, sum up your whole inspiring, optimistic, and very grounded conversation. Uh, will where could people learn more about you and your work? Thanks, Gino. So um, I guess kittyhawk.vc is, is uh, the venture firm uh, address. On YouTube, uh, there's a bunch of videos. I do these investor series calls where I uh, interview different folks from I've gotten to know over the years and, and have some pretty interesting uh, conversations and opportunities to kind of learn. So on uh, on YouTube, there's a Kitty Hawk uh, channel on there and a bunch of videos from Singularity University. And I'm on uh, LinkedIn as well and happy to happy to connect with anyone. So thanks, Will. Thank you, Gino. Great to chat with you, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Poetry of Impact podcast. For show notes and additional resources, visit poetryofimpact.com.